0: And uh, we've got uh, Dr. Joe Lucas coming into the studio to uh, to join us now. And uh, it's always great when we get uh, Dr. Joe. And she sent me an article. Uh, about two weeks ago, uh, for a bit of a chat, and uh, and it was a, a great opportunity, I think, to really explore perhaps what sometimes goes on in the head of athletes. And uh, I said at the opening of the show that sometimes it's a bit like the duck on the water, Dr. Joe, where the uh, we think everything's smooth and great, and everything's as good as it could be for our elite athletes, but what's going on under the water isn't always as clear. Good morning, Joe.
1: Good morning, Grant. Good morning, Ash. Good to be here.
0: It. Uh, It is, you know, it's it's almost this competition in the mind for a lot of our athletes, and the expectation that you put on yourself, the expectation that others put on, and the strength that you need to show outwardly to say that everything's great and everything's fine and there's nothing wrong here.
1: That's right, and and I liken it something. to to the iceberg you know when we see an athlete and we see them performing they're on the stage and they've got to kind of pull it all together like and I guess for many of us we've sometimes we've got to pull it all together when we get to our work and to do what it is that we do and we often don't see what's happening in the background we don't see um, you know the mad scramble we don't see the uncertainty we don't see a lot of the hard work and the and the effort that goes into creating that performance so so I think sometimes what we see and what's really going on can be quite different.
0: Yeah, and uh, there was an article, and, uh, and Opal's player, Katie Ebsbury, uh, really opened up her heart and her soul and, and, and everything that she felt about her career. And you know, for everybody looking from the outside, they're just giving her a round of applause and saying, what a, what a magnificent career, what a wonderful career. And she's finished her career saying, I wish I understood me, and I wish I understood my sport and all the things that go around it better when I was playing and I might have felt better about my sport than I do now and, and really suggested she didn't feel really really great about herself or her performances or a game while she was competing at the at the highest levels.
1: And we so often see that with particularly elite performers who've, who've had very well-established careers and have, have been on the stage for a long period of time is that wisdom that comes towards the end of their careers. And and I really appreciated that article. Uh, that was why I wanted mm. to share it with you because she really reflected on, you know, she said she she enjoyed her career. She loved it. She's glad that she did it. But she, I think the take-home message that I really appreciated and it was she said she wished she'd been kinder to herself, that I think sometimes in in some of those moments of uncertainty those moments of self-doubt it kind of isolated her a little bit and she kind of reflects now and sees that maybe she could have done some of that a little bit differently so the fact that she was brave enough to write about it and share that experience i think is great great learnings for for so many athletes coming through
0: as you've um, obviously played at the highest level uh nationally in the national soccer league um and you and you will have had your own experiences and thoughts about things at the time about good enough, not good enough, and you'll also seen a number of the players who at different stages will have felt you know on top of their game or perhaps not. Who do you go to as an athlete, and how do you deal with that when you when you've got those demons?
2: Yeah, certainly. I think uh, one of the most important things for clubs and clubs cultures is to have. People in support of players, you know, perhaps having some thoughts about am I good enough or their confidence is really low. And, um, you know, that Opals player did speak about it in there is having someone to confide in and also um, pick them up, and even the coach maybe. Of every club could be more understanding of their own players and more understanding of what they're going through and that's probably a really tough thing for a coach to do because you know on a team sport they probably have a squad of 25 to look out for so you know how can we expect the coach to know every single player and every single thing what they're going through which is why coaches have such um you know many other support staff to support them in in those sort of things um for me personally i think you know just little things Uh, that article made me think about is the amount of nights after games that you sort of roll around and can't sleep because you're just replaying the game over and over and um they're the things you don't really see on the tv you see the game and then you go to sleep as a fan but i'm sure so many people can say that they they can't really sleep after game because they replay it over and over and was that little touch good enough was that kick good enough Is is it guilt um, I think it's more just um, pressure on yourself because you know you want to be perfect, you know you want to be the best and um, though, thinking about the perhaps not so good things in the game makes you think, or oh, am I going to be dropped next week or am I going to be um, you know, put on the bench next week? Um, those sort of things, just pressure on yourself and worry.
0: Yeah, you don't get much honest feedback always that you can always trust and you can always rely on. I mean, I, I can refer back, to my time at the Cowboys, and I desperately, desperately wanted us to go well. And every week you prepare and go well. And I actually had some strong words with a former journalist the other week, who was expounding his views about Wally Lewis. And, and Ray had said, "Oh, Wally was uh, on Grant Show the other week," and rah, rah And they said, "Oh, Wally's a such and such and a so and so." And I said, "That's a very journalistic view of it." And I said, "It's very easy for me outside to pass a judgment." and not to even reflect on how it felt for that person who got that and how that can build on that guilt. And I I can reflect on my own experiences. And and I said to them at at the Cowboys, you know, my children would pick up the paper and they would read and go, is that really what you do? Is that, did you do that for that reason? And, and, things are written with an intent and those sort of things, Joe, I think can really start to eat on you and and make you feel that sense of guilt or did I do my best? I've tried my best, but it's really hard and you've got nowhere to turn to, no one to talk to.
1: No, and, and picking up on Ash's comment there about, you know, talking with coaches and so forth and it's it, that really speaks to the relationship that a coach has with their athletes because a, a coach who can manage that relationship well will create a safe enough environment that an athlete in a moment of vulnerability can say, you know, I'm struggling with this or I'm not sure because what will happen when that culture isn't there within a team is athletes won't say anything because why would I admit my vulnerabilities to the person who's deciding whether or not I play next week? So, you know, that coach relationship is is so incredibly important and, and to your point, Grant, it's about athletes and it's tough, you know, reading the papers and, and worse than the papers is, is the social media feed Mm. where, you know, there's every keyboard coward that you can imagine there, you know, with their expertise from where they're sitting. Um, you know, so it's, it's, I spend a lot of time with athletes talking about their relationship with what they read about themselves, the bits that they can't control, all of those elements and, and really getting them to feel okay about knowing that everybody's vulnerable you know everyone Mm. who's listening to the program today will have moments where you doubt yourself where you're not sure but the challenge with it is is it's something we typically don't talk about so when these sorts of topics come up and I just talk chat in general with people and people say oh that's me and they feel like so you mean I'm not the only one and it's just so widespread but it's it's about having that courage and having these kind of conversations, and that's why that article is is such a gem in terms of what we can all gain from Kate. I think it's, it's Katie's bravery.
0: I think it's wonderful. I I I listened during the week to a, a podcast with Yana Pittman, and if you get a chance, listen to that. Um, I can't think of the it's a, a lady sports journalist in Melbourne who interviewed her, um, and Yana Pittman really opens up about her life and for those who remember her running she was she won two world championships and, uh, and the 400 hurdles but everyone deemed her to be a weirdo she had the different nails and she had the different look and and she had a whole lot of little idiosyncrasies and got judged on that more than she got judged on a performance on the uh, on the track and was called drama yana and as soon as she got injured and missed out on a, it was absolutely ruthless. And she says in the, in the podcast, and that all happened without social media. I don't know what it would have been like if social media was also a part of what was going on there. And she talks about the the rift that was created by the media between her and and, and, and Lewis and um, how they'd been closest of friends, but the media painted that and neither of them picked up the phone to talk to each other and say, did you really say that? And, and this external voices... Determined so much about where they got to.
1: Yeah, that's right. And doesn't that reinforce the importance of communication and picking up the phone and having those conversations and, and how important our relationships are?
0: Did, did anyone listen to Craig Bellamy's interview about uh, the, the three players who got uh, caught with the cocaine or the white powder on the table? No. So he, he came on the the other day and he, he, and he was talking about the three players who have now been sanctioned over it. And they, were, they weren't seen to be taking the cocaine, but it was seen on the table and they were in somebody else's room with a group of other people. Um, and Craig Bellamy said, look, I'm not here to judge. He said, I can say when I was a player of their age, we'd go and have six beers. No, maybe it was 10, maybe it was 14. We had quite a few. They don't do that now because they can't do that now. And cocaine and the drugs weren't around when I was their age. I can't say that I wouldn't have made a similar choice at that time were that to be the situation because I'm a young man and I'm making choices. I'm not removing the fact that it's illegal because it is, and alcohol wasn't illegal and it still isn't. But I think we've got to be careful how we judge people. And I thought. If you want an example of a coach who can have a relationship, that was it for me.
1: Yeah and, and and that's it isn't it that that for all of us it's, it is about our relationships it's about who's got our back and who will hold us to account when we do the wrong thing because humans humans make mistakes that's part of what's amazing about humans is we you know we go out there and we sometimes we, we make great decisions and sometimes we make decisions that we regret so it's about having a soft place to land when you make those mistakes but also you know taking on board responsibility There's an accountability still Yeah of course of course and but you're right it's 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 an art to find that balance you know and, and that's what it is for coaches with athletes that's what it is for parents with their children you know so and and teachers in schools and, and all people that that have impact into the lives of others so it's 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 finding it's a it's a juggle and some days we get it right and sometimes it's more challenging than others
0: so one of the things that Katie said was that she in reflection she looked very closely at a tendency to overthink things an inability to then communicate that out, not feeling safe enough to communicate that out. If you had a message to... To any young person, whether it's an athlete or whether it's a young person having trouble in their own family life or at school or whatever, about having and finding that safe place to communicate, what what would you say, and how would you help them?
1: Yeah, well, that that messaging is so important, and and I know that there's programs that you start with with children at very young ages. You know, it's almost like you take your hand and look at the five, you know, your thumb and the four fingers, and you go, well, who are the people that I could name that I could talk to about different things, and and seeking people out. And the other thing I would say to people with self-doubt is we always talk about self-doubt from a negative lens. You know, the idea that to have self-doubt is a bad thing. And and I like to flip it sometimes and go, well, self-doubt can really help us. You know, if I'm driving home from this interview and my service light comes on in my car, it's self-doubt that stops me from servicing the car when I get home, which is probably a good thing for mm-hmm. my car. You know, So so self-doubt slows us down it can make us find more information so if we understand that self-doubt is a a normal part of being human and then well it's actually people I, th- out.
0: I think it's a positive thing oh, well, absolutely. I, I, because it means you are reflecting ash i'm certain before games you went gee how am i going to defend that person or how am i going to manage this or i'm carrying an injury am i going to be able to do my job and still get through it
2: yeah, of course, because, uh, you know, I suppose without self-doubt, you become overconfident and maybe um, <laughs> too much confidence can be a bad thing as well. Um, and that's all about, you know, balancing a balance. And a coach can help you in that, I suppose, bring you down to your level, but also give you that confi- uh, confidence. So I think a coach is crucial and people around you is finding that balance. And um, like Joe's saying, it's probably a good thing self-doubt is there and finding that is Tough.
0: Is self doubt the first step to a strategy?
2: Well, I think it's it's being
1: mindfulness, I think, being aware of, of what you're thinking and what you're saying to yourself. And then and then trying to understand, okay, so I've got some doubts here is this because i need to get some more information or i need to slow down or i need to say no or or is it that my there's not there's a mismatch between my confidence and my competence you know am i actually capable of doing this because how many times do you say no to something when you were perfectly capable of doing it so you know self doubt you know i think like ash said it's almost like a goldilocks thing isn't it you can have too much self doubt not enough self doubt but it's finding that moment where you stop you think you reflect and then you seek out help where you can
0: one of the other things that Katie says is it's okay to say I'm not okay, and and um, and I think that's a really powerful thing because sometimes we'll reflect on that and even just internalise that and go, if I say I'm not okay, then I'm it's a sign of weakness mm. and I can't show that and I'll go back to the the duck on the water as athletes and, and and quite often you've got this absolute fire of panic going on inside about things, but outwardly you're saying, yeah, no, everything's sweet. Yeah, and I think
1: what Katie talks about there is she's actually very strong to say when she's not okay. And the other thing that she said to herself is that, you know, it's important to be kind to yourself.
0: Mm. Yes, and that's the shirt that Joe's wearing, is be kind. And I I, I noted that when you came in, you were standing in the producer's booth because that's one of the the key statements, Mm. um, is about being kind to yourself. And I think everybody can be kind to themselves. And Ray's just pointing and saying I should be kinder to him. Um, So I'll have to work on that.
1: I just gave Ray a belated birthday gift, so I've already been
2: kind to Ray this
0: morning. <laughs> what are your thoughts around that, Ash?
2: Yeah, I think um, ultimately it would come down to, for me, is keep that fun in it. Um, and also, you know, as you move up the ranks, a small part of the fun can fall away. And, and just to remember why you actually started playing sport in the first place and, and remember that fun and enjoyable times.
0: It is about fun, Joe.
2: It it's it, Fun is the, is the cornerstone of, of what makes sport
1: enjoyable, the toy store of life.
0: Yeah, if you want to enjoy um, what you're doing, you know, you, you you need to be having fun. You need to be saying it's not just a job. Dr. Joe Lucas, Ash Sartor, thank you very much for joining us this morning. It's been a, a really enlightening topic and a great topic to chat about. Thanks, great pleasure. Thank you. And thanks, Ray, for uh, getting us to air. Thanks. To